Man, I've been really looking forward to this episode of Oh for the Love of Life. Hey, it's Mr. Young. And Jackie. And on this episode, we have Anita Kapoor. I mean, for a lot of us, we grew up with her on our screens. She's been a host on Channel News Asia. Discovery, TLC, Octo, AXN. She's a presenter, a speaker, a writer. And did you know she was actually born in Mumbai, India? But she's been living in Singapore since 1978. Absolutely. She's been traveling all over the world. Mm -hmm. She's an advocate for many really cool causes as well. Let's get to know her a little bit better. Before we jump into this conversation, though, as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Hey, if you like what we do, help us spread the word, all right? Be it on social media, hashtag OFTLOL, OFTLOL. And give us a couple stars while you're at it, maybe five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, however you listen to your audio content, be it on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify as well, a subscribe or follow would be appreciated. Mm. Okay, let's get down to it. Here's Anita Kapoor. You know, like there was a guy I met the other day who has the uh, the piece in his ear, right? And he mm, was, yeah. it gets bigger and bigger oh, and bigger. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, it was very interesting to talk to him, to mm. ask him what it meant and all those kinds of things. I think mm. those are fascinating stories. Like the big plate thing yeah. that yeah. gets bigger yeah. and bigger. Yeah. Like they put in the mouth as well. Yeah, yeah. that comes from African yeah. culture. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know. Mm. There you go. Okay, well, I all guess right. we've subtly we've slid into it already. <laughs> yeah. There's no need for a big hello, Anita Kapoor, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but we're going to do it anyway. Yes. Hello, Anita Kapoor. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us here on the show you know we've always wanted to get you on the show because when we started this podcast right we were like okay let's go through the people we want to talk to yeah you know people who have had amazing experiences and you my lady have had a lot of amazing experiences <laughs> yeah i have been very very lucky to have a lot of amazing experiences oh, you're yes. one of the people i've actually wanted to meet for a long time it's just we never crossed paths mm, at, mm, at any mm. point right so i've seen you in media and everything like that so i was like this chick seems cool. I'm going to meet her one day. And well, then look at, you know, dreams do come true. They there do. You go. And then yeah. it's all downhill from no, here. It's it's not not ah. no, it's Positivity. No, but you know how it is, right? Like, you, you don't meet people and then mm. you meet them and like, doing a podcast yes. as it is for you guys doing radio as well it's very intimate it mm. is, you know, it and, is. And, and it actually allows you to to really have great conversations so I'm mm. looking forward to ours mm. yeah I, I mean we realize because we've been doing radio for a while right and you know how radio is as well and TV as well it's all about the soundbite one minute and you're done 45 yeah. seconds as quick as you can get your point out but you can't really get to know a person in that no. short of amount of time and here's the thing I feel like you can fake yourself in a minute but oh, yes. sit down with somebody for 20 minutes 40 minutes there's yeah. no faking anymore, yeah. Yeah. right? It's like any good conversation, mm -hmm. right? True. I yeah. think it's the same thing. And you start to really talk and really open up and then you feel that uh, you can be vulnerable and yes. you can go to the next lesson and the mm -hmm. next layer. And yeah, that's exactly yeah. what a podcast is, I mm -hmm. think, too. Yeah. 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 So let's peel back the layers. <laughs> Come on. All the way back. Peel me, peel me. <laughs> peel me like a lotus blossom. Oh, dear. I was going to say a mandarin orange and I thought that's just one, no, I that's just one lotus, layer. Right, yeah, I exactly. I love the right. lotus blossom thing anyway. Right? <laughs> what about an onion? Many layers. Yes, many layers, and sometimes you cry. Yeah, we might cry here on the show. <laughs> yeah, might be the know. first. You know, yeah. two episodes ago, I fell off my chair. Yeah. Did um, you cry then? No, I did no, not. Sure. I laughed till yeah. I cried. Oh, yeah. That's why I fell off the oh, chair. Yeah, That's we all great. had a very good laugh. I swear it was not planned, but th there will be no falling off the chair today. Okay, well, we shall promises. stay. I don't know. You we shall try to stay seated. <laughs> yes. Seated upright. So, okay, I mean, you've been a TV host, MC, speaker, writer, you dabbled in many, many things, right? Yeah. What haven't you done yet? Uh, what is sort uh -huh. of that bucket list goal, that thing that you're, you know, maybe mm. I want to try that. Actually, a lot of the things that I have done mm. were all things that were like, oh, 
I like that. I oh. think I'll try that. <laughs> so, so it was never like on a list? It just no. sort of happened? Okay. No. Yeah. I suppose the only thing that was ever on a list was when I was very young, um, I wanted to work with food mm. uh, and I wanted to write. Okay. And those are the only things that were there with me when I was like 10 or 11 years old, writing little notes to myself. Right. But the rest of it, the TV, you know, working for magazines, ending up on stage, Although as a child, I was doing a little theater and, you know, things like that. It didn't seem like something that I would... I don't remember ever saying, my God, I really want to do that. So I feel that a lot of things have happened in my life as a sort of um, synchronistic Mm -hmm, state mm -hmm. of affairs, like moving from working with a magazine to Mm -hmm. moving to TV. I look back at these things as stepping stones. So in a magazine, you learn to really craft story and understand how to write that so that it has a flow and a beauty when someone reads it. Mm-hmm. And then when you're standing on television, I mean, in front of a, sorry, when you're on TV, but standing in front of a camera, you're learning to do that faster. Mm-hmm. You're learning to get the sound bite, make the, per- it's entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I'm on stage as an MC, it's a mix of those two things together. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then as a speaker, it's about a whole other different thing. I'm a fledgling speaker, to be honest. You know, I haven't been sort of doing lots and lots and lots of speaking, but it's something that I really love. And I really love moderation as well, panel moderation, uh, because it allows me to do what we're doing here, Mm -hmm. which is to have conversations with people and then add on the quick-wittedness of TV Mm -hmm. and add on the depth of writing. And voila, you have an interview. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. So I see all of these things as joined to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how they happened. And where I stand right now is um, it's funny, right? We all have a little title for ourselves. Sure. You know, you guys would say radio hosts mm-hmm. or podcasters or stroke stroke podcaster yes. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Multi hyphenate something. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, OK, what do I call myself? I don't do that much TV anymore. Mm-hmm. TV, the, 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 the whole value system of television has changed so dramatically. Yeah. I do a lot more live work right. um, on stage or as a moderator and mm-hmm. as a speaker. Mm-hmm. So I now just say, okay, how do I? Because, you know, when you write a bio, people want to know, what are you? Who are you? Like multidisciplinary presenter. (laughs) Multidisciplinary presenter. Because at the core of it Mm -hmm. is the ability to present. That's right. Mm -hmm. And now I think I'm at a phase where what is it that I want to say to people? Mm -hmm. What is the the message that goes out there that doesn't come from an egoic place, that comes from a place of, having lived a little life, having learned a few lessons. And why do I even want to share that? Who the hell am I really at the end of the day? I'm just one more person with a big mouth, you know? (laughs) Um, So I've had to really go sort of in a very big circle over the last um, four years and be very comfortable leaving the whole regular TV gig world behind Mm -hmm. and move more into more thought and thought-provoking work. Has that transition sort of while you did it, right, did it make you worried? No. Was there fear? No? No, I, now that it's happened twice, so once with leaving publishing to go to TV and then kind of leaving TV to go to the rest of the world. With TV, mm-hmm. I have one foot in the TV world. Right. I do a project every year in Japan mm-hmm. for a Japanese TV station. But it wasn't scary because I think we know when it's time to go. Mm. I think we have that feeling in us. Um, the fear is usually very practical things. Yes. You know, it's how do I earn? You know, will anybody love me? <laughs> Which is not really practical. That's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what will I do? Mm-hmm. And 
But I've now learned that this is part of the cycles of your life. And if you tune into the cycles of your life, then there's less fear. I don't think that we are never unafraid. You know, we're always a little scared. I'm still scared when I stand on stage. It's like, what am I going to give this audience today? I think you don't feel afraid. You're you're not feeling really. Absolutely. And when I don't feel some level of fear or a little bit of that, you know, panic in the stomach. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're a little overconfident, girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. the converse is true too. I did a couple of MC gigs in this last year where I just did not want to get on stage really? because I didn't feel anything for oh. what I was about to do. Mm-hmm. And I promised myself. I said, mm, you know, I'm gonna take on those jobs mm. right. because you don't connect with them. And what is the point? You know, I think we've all done jobs mm-hmm. yep. in our careers where like, oh, why did I even do that? Yep. You yeah. know? Uh-huh. And then there are the jobs where you're like, wow, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Yep. Like maybe my first VO was a 1-900 number. Right. And I had no idea <laughs> what that, I, I felt so stupid and innocent, you know? It was something called the Wacky Talky Hotline. Oh my gosh. And I just thought it was friendship. <laughs> oh, but it was one of those well, when they asked me to go low and speak oh, in that way, right. I was like, wow, that's a different kind of friendship. <laughs> okay. Do those you lines know. even still exist anymore? You know, I don't think no. so. I should hope not. But this was like, um, whoa, this is like the 90s, 90s? the yeah. late 90s. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, there are some things that you're like, okay, never, mm, ever never again. again. Yes. And then there are other things you're like, hmm. So, yeah, I'm at a, I'm at a really very interesting point in my life. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point you bring up as well, talking about how you where you knew when it was time to, you know, pull the plug as it were, right? Yeah. Because I know for a lot of people like I, I've seen in this industry as well, they knew when the time was they pulled the plug. But and then there are some people who they sort of just cling on because yeah. of that whole stability thing. You know, I need to uh, stay where I am to earn a stable income. Sure, Security. that sort of thing. I, I mean, I felt that way too when I left the other place yeah. that shall not be named. <laughs> yes, <It's>, yes. <laughs> when I left Minnecock, because you yes. know that's a different experience, mm-hmm. and you're coming into a new experience. And yeah. sometimes even the things that you liked, what you didn't like, whatever, it just becomes a part of you. And, yeah. and it becomes a comfort, which is actually kind of not a great comfort. It can mm-hmm. be a toxic comfort, yeah. too. Because yeah. comfort, well, let's look at that word. You know, what is it really at the yeah. end of the day? And then the moving into something else is bound to shake you up. And I think the knowledge that when you go to that new place, you will experience both the highs and the lows of that place as well. Mm-hmm. It's Maybe- good that you say highs and lows yes. because most of the time we talk about only the highs mm-hmm. or we talk about the destination of the feel-good destination yes, yes. and the happiness destination. But, you know, it takes a lot out of us to just get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think the reason why often we don't leave, whether it's a job or a relationship or whatever it is in life is because there's a strange weird security in just not doing anything mm-hmm. yeah. we've all been there everybody's yeah. been there be it a yeah. toxic relationship a lousy job a job you're not passionate about yeah, yeah. and sometimes the job is just the job and mm-hmm. you've just lost the feeling for it as mm-hmm. well you know and we have to know to say goodbye but as human beings yes. we perform through our flight or fight, yes. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're all learning to actually now in this era of time to be more mindful mm-hmm. because it's not really good for us to be in that state all the time. Oh, yeah. for sure, yeah. yeah. You said you mentioned earlier, just really quickly, you said you want to work with food. 
So no, I wanted to work with food. I wanted to oh, be a chef. Anymore. I wanted to be a chef. Mm-hmm. So oh. my parents were like, oh, you want to be a chef, do uh-huh. you? Okay. So I was 16 and they said, um, go find a job. So I went to Burger King, which is not really the height of chefdom. <laughs> but it was but great. It was still food. It, it was still fun. Food. It was yeah. still food. I learned to make omelets in the morning because oh. I had a, I was like 16. It was my like my first sort of boyfriend and and mm. and he was like i think in the army or something okay. Okay. of course right yeah. <laughs> and then um i was like okay i'll take the morning shift because then we can hang out in the evening and, you know it was Aww. ridiculous all i did was i really smelt of burgers and and omelets <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it was weird shit man. <laughs> um and then about two weeks later i got a job in uh, the kitchen of a, uh, I, I don't know if you guys were ever familiar with the Moven Pick restaurants. Yes. yes so yes, they used yeah. to be one in the basement of Scott's Shopping Center. That's right. Mm-hmm. And yep. Picnic. Mm-hmm. So I got um, a gig in the in the kitchen. Okay. And so for a month before I got my IB results and deciding to go back to school or whatever, mm-hmm. I actually went to figure out what it was like to be a chef. So there was this 16-year-old in a kitchen of like 30-year-olds. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It, you know, you learn so damn much mm-hmm. if you stay open. What did you do at 16? So I was uh, what what's called, uh, I don't know if they still call it this role mm-hmm. in, in these more democratic, um, politically correct times. Yes. But I was called a pantry maid, which oh. means you make all the starters and the desserts okay. and okay. the salads. So anything that's doesn't require a lot of skill. <laughs> okay. So I would make the very famous steak tartare, which was Ooh. the Moven Pick thing. And sometimes mm. you'd screw it up just so that you could eat it yourself. Because right. if you screwed it up, you couldn't serve it. You had right. to eat it, right? Of course. Okay. And then I would do all the desserts. I would scoop ice cream. And, you know, it was great fun. It sounds I loved like a lot it. of fun, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then it was like, wow, this is, this is some tough shit, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, and I was never, I mean... It didn't even occur to me that it would be probably years before I could become a chef, you know. Mm. But then I went back to school, you ah. know, and I finished the IB and I finished that. And then I decided to um, work. So here here we are, <laughs> like, I don't know how many years later. Was your writing gig your first sort of, quote unquote, proper job? No, my first proper job. Wow. I did a two-year training program with a um, management company that managed Scott's Shopping Center oh, right. and the Ascot Service Apartments. So in those two years, that was like my university. Mm. I was with 30, 40, 50-year-olds. Right, and I right. hung out with everybody from like the CEO of the company to the lady who cleaned the garbage. Mm. And I did one month in all these different department. So I was with engineering and the lift shaft. I was with housekeeping, um, making beds and cleaning garbage. And so all of this was really a great way to see real life, Mm -hmm. which you don't really see in university. That's right. And I thought, wow, I think if I had gone to university, I might have it might have been a bit of a waste of my parents' money, maybe, because yeah, yeah. I was pretty playful and, you know, mm. was not that great in school. Yeah. And it was very entertaining <laughs> to be the entertainer, yeah. you know. Um, it's certainly not to say that, you know, there's no purpose to university, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at us being politically correct. I know, right? No, but it's listen, it's like this. There's a purpose to all different kinds of education. Yes. And for some people, that's going to university and then their brain gets blown apart. Mm. And for me, I couldn't go at that time. Um, you know, my, my dad had had a uh, very big thing happen in his his um, company. It had sort of basically failed and so he didn't have enough cash to send me. Mm. And I think it's kind of humbling to know all these things about your parents and they don't hide it from you and yep. you learn very quickly and you grow up. Mm. I was never disappointed. Oh. And I was never disappointed in my dad or my mom or anything like that. I just thought, oh, okay. And there I got to play with all these grown-ups and <laughs> attend meetings and yeah. submit reports like some really important person. Right. So very, very early on, I learned that 
life is actually quite unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more that we try to control it, the less likely we are going to be able to deal with unpredictable outcomes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I've known that since I was very young. So go with the flow, basically. Yeah. Go with the flow. Yeah. Easier said than done, of yes, course. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, I wish I had that sort of experience as well, now that you're talking about it, because I remember my university mm-hmm. uh, experience, right? And yeah, I had one internship, basically didn't, Nothing. Just entered stuff into a spreadsheet. That's about it. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, these uh, work uh, programs, right? It's so important for you to be in the right place. Absolutely, and for the the place to give you a really rigorous training, yeah, and like, to, like some value, right? Absolutely, and yeah. to not be a snowflake about it. We got a lot mm. of snowflakes these days. Oh. you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. there was no snowflaking. I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, you know, I was in a kitchen, and the thirty-something, forty-year-old chef, you know, and I sat down for five minutes, and he said, "You have nothing to do." Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I was like, oh, I'm tired. He's like, so are all of us. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's missing from a lot of corporate culture today, from yeah. a lot of work situations. You know, you take the time to go and do these work. What are they called? Work. Uh, work uh, for the sake of work. No, no, as oh. in like when you're still in uni, you have oh, like work placements. Uh, oh, work placements, yes. Yeah. And you're still... You, you still, you're still thinking like life's kind of cushy and you still yeah. have uni to go back to mm-hmm. and so forth. I absolutely value education, but I just think that in the context of education and the context of this country as well, mm-hmm. education must be a much broader. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because education does not just come from books. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too because, I mean, we've had interns here, obviously, and I've been mentor to interns. And the mindset is very curious in that, you know, when you don't rank them very well, because they do very well book-wise, right? But when they come to the workplace, they expect sort of their ranking to be very high because, oh, my, my um, no reports and all that say that, I'm an A-plus student, but when their workplace report card comes out and it's not there, they they get upset, they yeah. lose focus, they get very discouraged. Absolutely. You know, I have these discussions with their uh, instructor as well, right? And it's interesting because it's like, of course you're not ready. Like for you yeah. to be, you know, scoring A-plus at the workplace means that, oh, you're fit for the workplace already. And yeah, some people are. Some people definitely, you know, sure. have that skill. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see like that you know, expectation of, oh, I did well in books. And there's a gap there, right, in the understanding. But I think it comes down to a couple of things. You know, uh, when you were growing up, uh, did you get validation? Mm. Did you not get validation? Yes. Did you get too much validation? <laughs> but I think no. it's also interesting that you brought up, uh, you worked when you were 16 years old. Same thing, I worked at a, a coffee joint and my parents were like, why do you want to do that? You, you've got school. I was like, yeah, but I, I would like to go out in the working world and just, you know, CC a bit, feel yes, it out. Yes, yes. And I thank the heavens that they let me do that (laughs) because I technically have been working since I was 16, albeit part-time jobs here and there, but you still meet people, you still interact with people on a daily basis in a work environment. So it's completely different from school, obviously where you go in class and then sit there and listen (laughs) to somebody lecture you. I mean, all of these are sort of bubbles, aren't they? School, Mm. uni and all of that. And then you get out there into your, your first, and it's all beautiful and wonderful and nice, but it would be great if, you know, for example, in school, you were taught a few more life skills yes. or financial skills. Mm-hmm. And in university, instead of it all being book-oriented, make it a little bit more people-oriented. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to have skills to get along with people. Exactly. That's right. yeah. When you're in school, you can fight with your best friend. But once you get to the workplace, you can't fight with everybody. <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, to use that as a kind of a, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. an example. And not everybody is going to give in to you as well. Like Your no. best friend will be like, oh, yeah, okay, yes, I love you. Yes, la. Yes. Yeah. A, a person, management level, they're, they're not going to hear your sob story. They're not going to feel sorry for you. Exactly. So it's a completely different 
ball game altogether. I Absolutely. Think. Of yeah. course, though, I do have opinions on what workplaces <laughs> should be like. But yeah. yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, of course, I don't remember a darn thing from my university days. I, <laughs> you know, I, the only things I remember were yeah. the people I hung around with. Because you were partying, weren't you? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> really? Really? No, I was the nerd. So I was... Uh, are you sure? Are yes. you the, are you, are you the, the nerd gone wild? No, or? no, no, no. Not the nerd. Well, okay. Every Wednesday, mm-hmm. we had on campus... Because I, I went to Canada for my studies, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, every Wednesday, I went clubbing. Mm-hmm. But every other day, late into the morning, I would be in the basement with my group of friends playing Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, awesome. awesome. Such a nerd. You, no, <laughs> That's I don't. That's the biggest nerd thing ever, Dungeons, yes, and, Dungeons Dragons. and Dragons. I love it though, because... You know, back then it was seen as something weird, mm-hmm. or the, the people who played it were weird. Yeah. But today, it's like a it's like a badge of honor. What was that? Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> is now Game of Thrones. Is man. it yes. in the Olympics or something now? The no, it's not thing. in the Olympics. <laughs> That's you're talking about e uh, esports. Uh, esports, okay. Yes. All right. Well, the the people I know that play D and D right mm-hmm. are some of the most creative people. Absolutely. Because back then we were creating these scenarios. The whole point of Dungeons and Dragons was to role play a different character. So in a way you're like acting see, you're how, li- yeah. see how excited he's getting I, I can so see sorry. I, I just uh, for those who are listening to the I, podcast I stop, like, uh, he his hand oh you're gonna watch a video his hands <laughs> are is. flying everywhere yeah. <laughs> completely different you, you roll the dice and you hit a 20 and you no, get a crit it, hit it's great you mm. know and I think we need all of these like we don't like a lot of people play games just on screens yes. but to actually play games like I grew up playing like you know your snakes and ladders mm. and Ludo and Carom and yeah. all of these things which really work your brain in a completely different way yeah. makes you competitive in a nice way mm-hmm. you know I mean, you can't really flip the carom board because that's <laughs> just that's dangerous <laughs> shit yeah, 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 you yeah, know yeah. Um, and all of those things are like actually you're reminding me now that I haven't played a lot of these games in a really long time. Maybe uh, we should indulge in some Uno, yes. some Monopoly yes. at some uh, point, huh? Yes. Yeah. Then somebody lose all their money in Monopoly. And flip the board <laughs> yeah. So okay, you've traveled quite a bit. Yes. Uh, do you have a favorite destination? No. no. <laughs> so you're a child of the world. There, okay, I like to travel to places that make me feel something and mm. where I can speak to people and have experiences that are outside of just visiting mm. You know, monuments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I sometimes choose a place just by how I think it might make me feel. Okay. And uh, I also choose places now sometimes when I look on Airbnb and go, wow, look at that. I want to stay there, you know. <laughs> Let's yeah. not say favorite though, memorable. Is there any places? Oh, yeah, Japan for sure. Japan, mm-hmm. You know, I've really had an opportunity to go to Japan now the last six years okay. and explore a lot of Western Japan. Mm-hmm. And there are some just special stories. And the thing about the Japanese is that they can take something very, very small and craft it into this very precious thing. Mm-hmm. That's part of the power of their culture. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's not a rah-rah show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yes. just very like, oh, okay, it's there, like yeah. appreciate it. And, and everything has deeper meaning. And, you know, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I love India. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I was born in India and I grew up in Singapore. So I moved here when I was seven. I don't really have... Um, that same connection to it as someone who's spent all their life there. But being a third culture kid who stayed Mm -hmm. in Singapore, it's uh, always sort of calling to me, pulling me a little bit. And then Mm -hmm. I I have my fix and I I come back. Right. There's so many, and it's also a country of so many different types of dynamics and Mm -hmm. worlds all colliding at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I find that 
really appeals to my writer's heart as well. Why did you come here when you were seven, though? I mean, why my did parents you make the move? moved here. Okay, yeah, all right. My both my parents were were born in India, mm. and uh, my mom got remarried, and my stepdad was also from India, okay. but they met in Singapore. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, my mom got divorced. She got remarried. You know, she set up home, and I was in India with my grandmother for my first seven years with my older sister. Mm. Then we moved to Singapore, and then two years later, my little sister was born. Um, so there's three of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. We all have one way or another some sort of a connection perhaps not so much my little sister because she totally came into this world as a Singaporean yes. you know um, but we had connections and we had grandparents you yeah. know at least through the 80s and into the 90s and then you know everyone went on their merry way to the yeah. other you know to the other worlds um, and we stayed what is your favorite memory or favorite thing about Singapore oh, if man. there is even one that you can pick out there's a there's there's a few but yeah. I have to say that you know when I was growing up, Mm-hmm. And TV would end at twelve midnight. Yes, and uh, you'd, you'd see sh- that screen that that's <laughs> that one, right? Well, before that, you hear the national anthem. Yes, and till today, no matter what all might be happening in my country, and 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 if you follow anything that I write or whatever, I, I have stuff to say, you know. And mm. I think it's important for us to have something to say about our country that we love, mm-hmm. uh, and this really is my home mm. in every sense of the word. Uh, listening, hearing that that faint uh, sound of the national anthem, and the other thing that I remember from my earlier life was Mash. You know the show, the show Mash. Oh my gosh, they're still playing actually on TV. They're okay. doing reruns. Yeah. yeah. So Mash has a really great theme song and mm. they would always play mash at night right because there's adult themes right yes. so that da, 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 da. Right, and that would be like, oh my, my, my parents have finished watching Mash. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, the end of the night has happened, and those are very nostalgic things for I me. I remember the big Mash logo in yellow, yeah. you know, and then yeah. there was an M dot A dot S dot H dot, yeah. and you're yeah. like, yeah. okay, Mash is on. <laughs> you, I can just hear that song now, and I'll just start crying because it's oh, just, really? wow. it's such a, it's such a beautiful memory. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. and the other things, of course, is uh, seeing. Singapore in a very, very different way, a very simple city in the 70s, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and coming here and seeing that excitement and seeing people sort of pulling in a particular direction and mm. seeing a very multi-ethnic society, mm-hmm. you know, where I lived as well, I lived in the East, um, and I saw so much of that mix of things. Yep. I, I, I grew up listening to the azan call from the mosque behind mm. me mm-hmm. and so it it hel- it really helps you to to become a person who just understands things yes. mm-hmm. when you're surrounded by it yeah yeah as a television presenter what's the craziest thing you've ever had to deal with had to report on had to you know because you're you're thrust into these situations yeah. and they're live right mm-hmm. so anything can happen I'm sure there must have been some crazy thing that has happened God man I'm going to have to think back on that yeah. um <laughs> Anything that was daunting? Absolutely. Or, you know, wow. Just... Why, why do I even need to think about this? This is actually <laughs> it. I went shark diving. Mm. So, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had a show that was on Channel News Asia that was a, a co-production with Lonely Planet. Mm. And we were doing these sort of weekend um, things, getaways activities? that you could do, activities okay. that were adventure-oriented. Right. You okay. could just do it in three days, you know, four well, days, three nights. swimming with sharks is quite an adventure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is, this is the thing, right? I mean, like, I'm, like I can't even speak right now. <laughs> I was just thinking about it. Like, the thing about being a TV presenter, if you start going in the adventure direction, you have no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. When you're doing destination 
culture, all those kinds of things. There's a certain thing, you know, yeah. but you can't really prepare for shark diving. So I went and I don't dive. So they do surface cage dives. Yes. And, you know, mm -hmm. we did this in, um, uh, is it Port Lincoln? I think it's called. Yes. Um, and we went out with this really famous Rodney, I want to say, I want to say it's Rodney Fox shark diving okay. expedition. Okay. I hope Which, I got that right because yeah. they are amazing. Right. We'll just call him Rodney Sharkman. All yeah. right. <laughs> and actually in, I think it was the 60s, okay. he um, went diving mm -hmm. and got bitten by a shark. Like <gasps> huge. No. Survived. And oh, then geez. decided to dedicate his life to understanding sharks. Oh, oh my. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, did I say Port Lincoln? I meant Port Douglas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got half of it right. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Is that in was it in Australia? Australia, yeah. Rodney yeah, yeah Rodney Fox. There That's you go. It. Rodney yes. Winston Fox. Uh, Port Douglas. So, mm. you know, and so he just dedicated his life to it and mm. research and all of that. And his son also does shark photography. Mm. So he goes down in the cage mm. and then he gets out of the cage. And he is so familiar with the sharks. He knows what they look like, what their names are, the whole <laughs> nine yards. Oh, my. So we get on this boat. Uh-huh. And we ride out to the middle of the ocean where the water's really, really cold because we're near the pole. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget that. Yes. Also on a day when the sea is actually quite rough. Oh, <laughs> no. Dear. And they tell us this after. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get into the cage yeah. and the cage is at a surface level and you're basically, you've got, you know, um, oxygen in your mouth and yep. you've got the weight belt on and everything. Mm. I'd never had any of these things on me ever. Right. So I'm quite proud of myself because mm -hmm. I said, you know what, you're gonna you're gonna do this. It took me an hour. I just sat on the boat. <laughs> I was like, and they were so brilliant. Mm -hmm. They just sat with me. Mm -hmm. They were like, when you're ready. Mm -hmm. And I got in and I went down and I was like crazy scared. Yeah. Not so much about the sharks, strangely <laughs> enough. Just the cage. Just the cage, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and the mm -hmm. fact that you know I I do wear glasses normally and I had my contact lenses mm -hmm. on and when you've got that mask on you actually yeah. can't really see very well yeah. I don't understand this mask yeah. it, it, it fogs up well it's, it's just that you've got the, 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 the nose, the nose, the nose yes, right? Yeah. and so you already have bad eyesight yeah. and you got contact lenses yeah, yeah. and you're like where's the shark where's <laughs> yeah. the shark yeah. you know, so I kept coming up to the surface to like <gasps> and then this is the funny part when I came up to the surface that's when the shark came <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but it was at the surface which is what made it brilliant uh. and it was massive oh my gosh and there is this amazing picture of me mm -hmm. outside of the cage oh. just taking a break <laughs> and this huge mother of a shark <laughs> behind me bent in two because it was turning around oh and it's probably good i didn't see it <laughs> <laughs> probably have freaked out but you know in a way it, there is this something there's something primal that happens when you see sharks yeah there's a part of you that doesn't believe that they could possibly be that powerful. It's like, here, fishy. Mm. <laughs> At the same time, you realize you know, you know nuts about this creature. Yeah. And I remember I went and did an interview at that time, and I said, man-eater. And all the shark lovers <sighs> came down so hard on me and said yeah. I was an idiot who didn't mm. know what I was talking about. And, la, na, na. Mm. and I realized that there's so many things we don't really know about 
animals or sea mammals or mm-hmm. creatures, or, you know, and we just assign something to them because of popular culture and so forth. The Jaws movies. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. I think a lot of uh, shark lovers pointed uh, that yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm not so sure that the shark would not have a field day with me sure. <laughs> if I was in the wrong place at the wrong yeah. time. Or you yeah. provoked it. Or it's it's a lot to do with provocation. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to do with some, some facts that I learned later in Fiji oh. when I actually met um, people who belong to a shark a, a, a tribe that actually worships the shark. Mm-hmm. Oh. And they said that the shark's eyesight is actually not very good. Yes. So yes. when they see a flash of something, because they also are looking to go for the attack, right? Mm-hmm. they just go to grab it. Right. Yeah. right. And, and well, look at the shark. Is it built with some other thing other than teeth and a mm-hmm. sonar no. <laughs> capability? No. So, you know, I learned a lot. And right. so, long story short, that is something I'll never forget. <laughs> I read somewhere that like humans, when they wear the scuba suit, it makes them look like seals, which uh-huh. is what they exactly what they munch on, yeah. right? And once they grab you, and that's where the saying, uh, the, smelling the blood in the water, yeah. that's where it comes from. So yeah. that's when they know where to go to attack. So eat, that's the right? yeah, that's that point of going for the kill because that's the way the brain works. That's bro science, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, you've seen these videos everywhere mm-hmm. of people who are playing with sharks mm-hmm. and you know all that kind of stuff. I just I don't know what's the truth anymore. Yeah. All I know is that. How Having that experience and having that experience with the foxes mm-hmm. was just brilliant to understand deeper. It's funny you bring that up because yesterday I was just watching a video on bulls and a bull will not attack you if you are shorter than it. Oh. So there was this group of men in the arena, right? And this yeah. bull is just running around, and like just randomly. It's not on a like rope or anything. And the minute these men stand up, you can see the bull charging. The minute they squat down and oh. are on the floor, it just stops as if like... They're out of sight already. Like, oh. they lost them. I'm sure it has yeah. something to do with the eyesight. The eyesight. Uh, something yeah, I don't know what it is about that height yeah. thing that they don't mm. recognize. It's like, oh, yeah, a human, I see you, oh, attack. <laughs> and then the minute they go on the floor, on the ground, on the sand, it's like the bull just, oh, do-de-do-de-do. <laughs> he goes about his merry way. So I'm like, yeah. this is this is some sorcery. Yeah. I was like, what is <laughs> going on? That's fascinating, yeah. yeah. The other thing I really liked about this trip was that nobody was actually provoking the sharks. Mm. They were really, they were doing research. You know, you could actually name a shark if you wanted oh. to mm-hmm. for yourself. You know, <laughs> they were doing tagging. There was an island in which they had actually left some information. Uh, they, let, they let some monitors there to, to, you know, to figure out what was going on in the, in the, in the vicinity, mm. in the environment. I loved working with them. It was a great experience. See, I think animals in the while unless they're provoked they, they're really just minding their own business because yeah, the bullfighting yeah. is they stab the, the yes. bull right I mean you're, you're yeah. upsetting it you're pissing it off of course it's going to yeah. charge at you, you I mean that is a whole other can of worms oh, altogether yeah, well. because you know some say that yeah, it's a cultural thing it's but part it's changing. of their heritage yes. yeah. it's actually changing because I think people of that culture are also standing up and saying no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes it needs to come from home yes. because mm-hmm. if yes, the world true. has all this like oh shock horror mm-hmm. it's not the same as the person next to you in your village yeah. Saying, mm-hmm. you know what, this is not right. Yeah. We yeah. shouldn't do it. We're not we have to leave the bulls alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what motivates you on a day-to-day basis? What gets you up in the morning or in the evening, whenever you wake up? <laughs> yeah, I think every day, honestly, and mm-hmm. I really, really believe this, even on my darkest days or the days when I've had an argument or the days mm-hmm. where things aren't going well, I really do believe every single day is an opportunity to set something right. Mm-hmm. And I see that as kind of a, a mantra for life you know you, you have to be able to wake up every day right because mm-hmm. there's going to be a point in time where you're going to be sleeping forever right mm-hmm. so yeah. or moving into your next life or yeah. whatever it is and, and that's a whole other thing but it's an opportunity to 
to do things differently every day mm. or at least with a new day with the sunrise I mean I love sunrises yeah. is an opportunity to just say hey you know um we are so obsessed with perfection and we're so obsessed with getting it right and I was having conversation today with my partner about uh being your best self mm. and so you know I said well what is best like when does best end yeah like what is the limit of best yeah so you know we came to the conclusion that you know it's whatever it means to you mm. but that you don't have to be perfect mm-hmm. best does not mean perfect yes. and i wake up every day and i have a little ritual that i do and uh, i just say okay you know it's going to be a good day yeah. and even if it isn't a good day mm-hmm. i started out okay yeah. you know other stuff i can control so <laughs> and you can try it again tomorrow yeah. and you can try it again <laughs> tomorrow yeah. and i think that still sits right for me did you have to learn this along the way or did you always sort of have this growing up i think as a kid i always thought hey every day is a great day yeah. <laughs> new day you know and i did go through a lot of childhood strife to mm. be honest i've always been an optimist mm. Uh, oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but also a realist. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I think with a with realism also comes a the the heavy dose of feeling sad too mm-hmm. sometimes when things don't really go the way that you want them to go but like overthinking I, things. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, absolutely we all overthink, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. we want it maybe to be something else, but over a period of time if you ask me what I've learned is that you have to you have to stop yourself at a particular point when the overthinking then becomes the anxiety and that's mm-hmm. easier said than done mm-hmm. i think everybody has something that they're anxious about and i've learned over the last maybe 5 years what my anxiety triggers are mm-hmm. and i work on those things on a daily basis mm-hmm. but the thing is this right mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that is about mindfulness and self help and so on says to you that you actually have to figure all this out on your own mm-hmm. and you can but you need other people to test how far you've come. Talking about mindfulness, do you practice like, you know, yoga or any sort of uh, yeah. ritual? I know yeah. there are apps now that help there you, are. you know, take time <laughs> out and relax. Yeah. For the last couple of years, mm-hmm. that has been the course that I've taken. Mm-hmm. So I've done a few courses and they were mindfulness, meditation, healing mm-hmm. meditation courses, mm-hmm. spirituality courses, you know, all of those mm-hmm. um that were at the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. you know, 2 years ago I lost my mom and it wasn't a, losing my mom going to spirituality it wasn't like that uh-huh. it was in losing my mom i lost a very big part of my life and my responsibility cycle yes. i was her caregiver as well and i thought wow you know i feel kind of a little lost and i don't i don't have anyone to take care of mm. and i realized i hadn't also really taken care of myself for many years so it was a natural cycle to sort of go towards that mm-hmm. but not without strife you mm-hmm. know I, i entered a terrible relationship and i was trying to find myself and i was like i think i need to move somewhere else yeah. and you know all those things but very quickly it would be replaced by but then what but mm. then what mm. and i knew that the answers were going to be within me yeah but to face yourself is a very dramatic thing. Mm-hmm. But I realized that it was not as dramatic as it was essential. And I did. And mm-hmm. I went and faced myself and I did um some self-mastery courses which mm-hmm. included all of these things and meditation has been I think for me a lifesaver. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting I feel like uh, uh, not enough of us do 
things like that. Mm-hmm. Take some time out of our busy day because we are so busy. Like I don't have half an hour to do a yoga class or you know, uh, yeah. 15 minutes to just sit down and breathe and mm-hmm. reflect on my day sort of a thing, right? Yeah. Um, it's what we prioritize at the yeah. end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easier than done. I was just 10 mm. days in Japan and mm-hmm. I only managed to meditate oh, three of those days right. because really early starts and you're exhausted at night. Yeah. And I came home and I was like, something is really missing. My best friend is missing and mm. my best friend is meditation, you know? <laughs> and so that's when I know that it's part of me. Mm-hmm. And I actually was able to maybe meditate in the car or mm. do it. And, but sometimes when you're just too tired. And that's the other side of this, right? Yep. You can be too tired. Yes. Okay, yes. give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think more than anything else, make sure that what you prioritize is care for yourself. Mm. So don't jump to meditation. Jump to, did I get enough sleep first? Yes. You so know, important. is there a lot of stuff on my mind? Am I too worried as a person? Is there something I can do to lessen that worry? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I remember what I like as a child? I mean, I know that the ocean is great for me. It totally calms me down and there's science to prove what the waves does for your body and your energy. Mm-hmm. Do those things before making the big step to the next thing. And I had to do that too. And once meditation came into my life, it was like, oh, this is a really comforting space. Mm-hmm. And it's a space where once your energy becomes a little bit more neutral, mm-hmm. you're actually then able to face a day that has a lot going on in it, mm-hmm. but you face it like it's like, hey, yeah. yeah. You know, from a different perspective. Very different perspective. I love the way you put it too, because Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, when you tell them, hey, let's go take up meditation, the first reaction might be, what What, what kind of frou-frou are you talking about? (laughs) You know, Uh, some mystical mumbo jumbo. (laughs) I'm not into that kind of stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because people don't explain it. It's like when when yoga first came out, everyone was like, oh, stretching. it's stretching, right? (laughs) Or, oh, no, it's religious. Yeah. Well, no. It's actually a philosophy. Yes. You know, yes, does it come from the Hindu philosophy, but then Hinduism was very broad spectrum Mm -hmm. as a philosophy. You know, you have the religious part of it, but it was actually a lifestyle. More than anything else, and we start to understand that that's the lifestyle that we're all doing now. That's why I'm trying to get this one to go and do a yoga class, because I know you can get quite stressed and highly strung. You're the one that's making me highly strong. Okay, well. <laughs> well, guys, you know, that's about the energy cycle between the two of you. But the thing is this, is like, it's actually about going and finding the thing mm. that reduces your cortisol level. Mm. So maybe it's not the yoga class yet. Mm-hmm. I found that I couldn't just go to a yoga class. For me, it's going to a cafe that's really quiet, getting really quiet time Mm. and just not having to talk to anybody because I am an ambivert. Mm. So I'm not strictly an introvert, but I'm not strictly an extrovert either. And this is something that I have discovered in the last 10 years. It's like, wow, I feel really jazzed by too much going on. What is my gift to myself? What does myself need? And that is what we should find out. And it's very individual for each person. Mm -hmm. For me... It's time by the ocean, it's um, music, it's meditation, it's silence. Mm -hmm. And everything just comes down. And that's when you learn who you really are. That's when you learn what is your real truth. That's when you learn how to make decisions. And then you got to go out and test it. (laughs) So if somebody were to ask you, Anita, I'm at a point in my life where I don't know what is my purpose. What is my passion? I... I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. What would be your advice? My advice would be you need to slow down. Slow down in order to listen to your inner voice and to know what your inner voice is 
that is different from your anxiety or your your fear or whatever else. It's the voice that is the true you that was probably you when you were very young. And that's a long process, but it can be a very short process if you actually say, I'm ready to do this. Because when we don't know where to go and how to go, it's because we have gone very far away from who we actually are. Yeah. And everybody gets this happening to them. Yeah. So let's, how do we get back in touch with ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's through those things, it's through play. I was on the plane the other day and I picked up the cup, right? <laughs> and I put the cup on my mouth and I sucked it into my face, right? <laughs> and I suddenly remembered how I used to love to do this stupid shit when I was a kid. Yes. It's a beautiful memory, right? Mm. And then the panic of you, because you can't get you it off your out. face, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Right? And then there's like this panic and I was like, uh, if you breathe out, <laughs> right? And I sent a picture to my sisters. Mm -hmm. I said, remember I used to do this? They were like, and I, we also remember how you bruised your face. Oh, you <laughs> and I sent it to my partner and he's like, fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just in that moment when I thought, wow, this play thing, mm -hmm. you know, remembering where you came from and what mm -hmm. you were like before all the stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we've all gone through things with our parents or their influences or, you know, sometimes we go through periods of time where we're not parented at all. Mm -hmm. Everyone has something that happened to them that pushed them in one way or another. And it can be both positive or negative, right? Mm -hmm. And it all comes home to roost as you go on in life because... As you go on in life, we think things get more complicated. Mm -hmm. Actually, they get simpler. And when they're simple, we don't know what to do with all that airspace. Oh, right. And that's when things like, I, I believe, depression and all those things happen because you, where do you go now? Mm. You know, yeah. what can you do with all of this? Yeah. And that's why you get quiet because when you get quiet, something actually expands in a really big way and you realize that there's so much more. You know, I feel like we could sit here for another two hours <laughs> and pick your brain. Yeah, but sure. unfortunately, we are already closing in on the hour mark. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to put a ball on that. I think we left it on a very good note right mm -hmm. there. Anita, thank you so much for being here. Thank you both for having me. The image I'm going to remember her is her sucking on the cup. Yes, I'm going to send that's you hilarious. the picture later. Okay. <laughs> Please send us the photo. That is the photo that you put with this podcast. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. Let's do that. Anita Kapoor, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. both. I feel like we could sit here and listen to her for five more hours, you know? Well, I know I could, and she has such a soothing voice as well. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. and so many things to say. Mm -hmm. You know what? We definitely want to get her into uh, the studio for another episode somewhere down the line. Yeah. In the meantime, though, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And hey, as always, if you enjoy these conversations, drop us a follow, drop us a subscribe if you haven't already done so on your favourite uh, podcast platform. Or you can follow us on Facebook. The page is Mr. Young and Jackie. That's right, M-I-S-T-E-R-Y-O-U-N-G and J-A-C-Q-U-I. Now, let's talk about our next guest. A blast from the past as far as I'm concerned. Mm. You know, before there was Jackie, <laughs> this man was my better half, mm -hmm. as it were. My partner on radio. Yes, he hasn't been on radio for a while. He does drop in once in a while. Uh -huh. But I can't wait to get to this one because, you know, this will be us playing catch-up, essentially. And reminiscing as well. Oh, on yeah. a lot of things. Uh, we're talking about Dan the Man, Daniel Ong. I mean, big year for him next year in 2020. He's going to get married. Going to get hitched, yeah, oh, taking yeah. the plunge. Mm. Again, yes, we will get into all that stuff. But next episode of All for the Love of Life, Daniel Ong. That's our guest. So if you're already subscribed, uh, you'll get it automatically. You don't have to worry about it. That's why you need to subscribe yeah. now or follow on so that boop, boop, notification, boom, it's up.
there in your face. Okay, let's get out of your face. Thanks for listening. Oh, for the love of